Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Passion drive and patience what brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive ebay motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers roof racks exhaust kits led headlights and more whether you're into speed power or style ebay motors has got you covered with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die you'll always find exactly what you're looking for and with ebay guaranteed fit your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. A, 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 a Giants podcast for Giants fans. Bye, Giants fans. It's Sean Morash and Paul Dotino. Down the sideline, into the end zone. Touchdown, Giants! From the offseason, through the wins and the losses, it's time to take one, one, one giant, giant step. step. All right, time to take one giant step with me, Sean Morris, and Paul Dottino for our undefeated 2-0 New York football Giants following a 1916 at very at most of the game, an ugly win, but guess what an ugly win is? It's a win, something the Giants haven't done enough of over the last couple years. Paul, good victory Monday to you. Yes, good morning to you, Sean. And, you know, when you think about the 2016 team, the last one to go 2-0, that really isn't the issue for the Giants. The issue is that you'd have to go back to 2009 to find another 2-0 team right. for this franchise. So the, the pain over the last decade has, has really been rather acute. Yes, yes, it has been. And, oh, by the way, that 2016 team that won 11 games, they did lose three in a row after starting 2-0, something we hope to avoid as Giant fans with the Cowboys and Bears on the horizon. All right, Paul, um, there was good, bad, ugly all over the place for this game. Uh, let me just start with this. Home opener, Wink Martindale asked the crowd to be rocking. They handed out the blue rally towels. They were in it especially early on. I mean, you start right away, Carter Coughlin, causing that fumble Dane Belton in his first game. And I know he had some missed tackles, but you know, he recovers the fumble. He was like a flying missile. I was shocked. And we talked about it last week on the pod. How much are they really going to use Dane Belton? He hasn't practiced a lot. Well, the answer was a lot and you were spot on with that, but overall a defense still no cave on Thibodeau still no Aziz Ojolari. They had no Aaron Robinson Flot, You were spot on starting, although 
they did change it up. Have to go to Moreau later after that DJ Moore touchdown. Yeah. Oh, Shane Zimenez shining. Leonard Williams gets hurt. Like th- this is a team next man up already in week two for a team that we thought was really thin. The MVP of the game yesterday, I think, is Wink Martindale. Unbelievable schematically what he did, essentially making Xavier McKinney and Julian Love linebackers for most of this game, Paul. Yeah, well, we had discussed the three-safety package being the strategy that we expected Wink to employ. He's obviously a very accomplished coordinator, so why wouldn't he do that? You knew what the Giants' Achilles was coming off of Hilliard's performance in Tennessee, so the Giants were going to have to address that issue. The question was, who was going to be the third safety? Would it be Jefferson or Belton? And then if they had three safeties, which guy or who would share the responsibilities of basically tagging McCaffrey? And as it turned out, Belton played a ton, but he was the deep safety most of the day. And they used more of McCaffrey or Love to try to contain the shorter stuff and to spy on McCaffrey. Uh, nonetheless, so Wink used the permutation of what we suggested, but nonetheless, it worked. <laughs> yeah, and I thought, one Paul, to me, one of the most interesting parts of the defense all game long, and I think it's going to be something that's fascinating with Wink Martindale the rest of the way, is we saw in week one a Dory Jackson follow Robert Woods all over the field, which clearly, look, Aaron Robinson wasn't going to play this game. He played in week one and didn't get crushed. And he is going to be somebody that, again, he's a young guy. We want to play and we want to get reps. And Cordell flopped behind him, same deal. But Jackson is their bread and butter. He's their sticky corner. He's the guy that they are going to use on number one receivers. Only many would assume that Carolina's number one receiver was DJ Moore, who, of course, scored that touchdown on flop a little bit later on in the game. In this game, though, It was Wink Martindale with his plan with the safeties up in the box to stop McCaffrey saying, forget DJ Moore for a second. What's going to burn us is if Robbie Anderson takes off and he has one of these 50, 60-yard touchdowns, that is the difference in the ballgame. So if Dory Jackson took Robbie Anderson in this game and we said, we'll take our chances with DJ Moore on some of the younger guys, I thought that was fascinating. And in the end, pretty freaking genius by Wink Martindale. Well, you know, they did elevate Fabian Moreau, a guy who you mentioned last week. And I thought what they did was very smart. It's similar to what they did with the offensive line the week before. Remember when Azudu started or or came in early, got burned on the pass rush, and then they went back to the veteran. And they calmed Azudu down on the sidelines. Well, we saw something similar yesterday with Flott. Remember, he got burned when he fell in the end zone on the DJ Moore touchdown And then they kind of sat him down a little bit. Then he got a few more reps. The kind of thing where it's clear that this coaching staff does not punish the young players for making a mistake. They use the mistake as a learning experience, settle down, get your wits about yourself, and see what it is you're going to do to come back and rebound. And that's a big difference than what we've seen in some of the previous coaches staff situations where if guys made mistakes, especially young players, they tended to get buried. Yeah. And, and by the way, as it should be, because we are all buying in, right? We we want so badly for this team to be good, to be competitive, to have a winning record, to be playing meaningful football before Columbus day. We are doing all of that right now. And, but at the same time, it should not be at the expense of not getting younger guys experience and letting them learn from their mistakes. Hey, how do we fix this and do this, that, and the other? And I I, I just I think that's tremendous. And this is a defense now. Can you imagine if they start getting Thibodeau here, Ojolari back? And oh, by the way, we should we should pause here on the defense and just Paul, you're you're we're around that locker room post game. I know that he wasn't saying much. There was the ESPN report. 
the Leonard Williams injury, I think a lot of us gasped as fans at home and said, oh, no, he's ruled out right away with a knee. It doesn't feel like we should be expecting the worst. I don't think so. I did talk to Leonard Williams after the game. He seemed very optimistic and did not seem all that concerned. That's not to say today after he wakes up that he could feel pretty crummy. Uh, right. There's no way to tell. Right. And we are taping this pre-MRI. We should, you know, alert our listeners. That. Sure. Not got an sure. MRI by the time we're taping this. That is correct. Now, of course, he does get the extra day because the Giants won't play till Monday night against Dallas. Not that the extra day is necessarily going to make a difference, but it could. And again, Williams right after the game did not seem overly concerned. And if there's one thing we know about him, Sean, <laughs> besides that he's a very, very good player, he is tough. I yeah. mean, this this guy has shown throughout his NFL career, he'll play through anything. He doesn't miss games. Yeah, last he year we thought not. he was going to be done for the year, and he finished on a lost year, finished the year out uh, with, obviously, what was it? Was it the bicep? With an elbow the brace. The yeah, elbow. elbow, the elbow. Okay, right. Yeah. Whatever it was, but still, he finished the year. So, again, to survive, for the Giants to be able to do that, closing out the game without, you really would say, the three best pass rushers. O'Shane Zimenez was great yesterday, too, at times. Uh, and really, the game ceiling... From the defensive side, sack, Julian Love comes flying in like a missile. They end up dropping back Jihad Ward. They drop back Zimenez in coverage. That was just a great look. Baker Mayfield is a quarterback that gets confused. And Wink Martindale knew how to confuse him. It, it was, I mean, Paul, I can't say enough about the defense. Again, it's amazing. Here we are two weeks ago doing this podcast. You know, defense doesn't have a lot of bodies. It'll be there. It'll get there. And they have been Forget the strength of this team, one of the stronger defensive units through two weeks in the National Football League. You know, there are two words that describe Wink Martindale's entire philosophy. One is attack, and the other one is confusion. Yeah. And we've been telling people this for how many months now? Uh, during the course of, of summer camp, uh, even back in the spring camp, I tried to tell people you're not gonna you're not gonna identify Giants players by positions. Wink Martindale's defense requires guys to be positionless, especially yeah. in the front seven. In the secondary, too, somewhat. But the front seven, what you see, you can't believe because he's like a magician out there in terms of where he's playing guys and what he's going to do with them. You saw classic Martindale yesterday. Yeah, you did. And by the way, don't think the Ravens aren't missing him. You think Tua is throwing for 21 touchdowns, uh, you know, six touchdowns yesterday, come back 21 <laughs> points down in the fourth quarter. If Week Martindale is the defensive coordinator yesterday, right. no, he's not. Okay, on the flip side, I mean, real briefly on special teams, last last week they were very aggressive, didn't really need Graham Gano. Graham Gano was phenomenal. It's very nice to see him beating the Carolina Panthers instead of him with the Panthers beating the yeah. Giants. That was very nice. Uh, clearly, this, I thought the coverage units, although late in the game, that kick return that got it up to about the 40, that was brutal. But overall, I think coverage units getting better from where we saw him in the preseason and including that fumble that was caused early on. So that's nice to not have special teams losing you games. And by the way, Jamie Gillen is unbelievable as a punter. He boots it. And that was a great hold on the winner for Gano as well, spinning that in, getting it down. I've been very impressed with the specials. That being yeah, said, I think, you know, the, the, the Hubbard 36-yard return that you're yeah, referring that was to – is, is, is not something that they're going to like this morning when they're looking at the, the game films. You know, they need to avoid that one big return. The specials right. in the first two weeks have been, for the most part, really good. But right. one big return, Sean, could ruin your day. It could spoil your dinner. It could have all the cheese just slip right off of your pizza just like that. 
Not a good thing. They need to clean that up. Slipping cheese. Slipping cheese is your Paulism here on the day. And we get it on special teams, no less. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Paul, offensively, look, it was ugly, but it was also gritty, and it was also, in many ways, mistake-free. Um, so I'm trying to find the positives. Look, there was definitely a point in time in the first half I'd be lying to you if a couple buddies didn't text me. Go, geez, do you think that you know with all that he's done with Bench and Galladay and not being afraid to make moves? Do you think he'd he'd wake the team up and go to Tyrod Taylor? And I said, stay the course. Last week the Giants struggled in the first half, and in the second half Daniel Jones came alive at times. Saquon Barkley clearly they were not going to try to let him beat them, but I would say this overall. Before we get into what Jones needs to elevate his game with. Him not throwing interceptions and eating some of those sacks yesterday instead of fumbling the ball like we've seen so many times in his career, I personally am going to take that as a positive because you know what Daniel Jones could have done yesterday? Given the freaking game away by just getting knocked around and losing the ball, he held onto the ball and made smart decisions even if they resulted in negative plays, Paul. I couldn't agree with you more. I think Daniel Jones has already taken two giant steps towards being the Giants franchise quarterback. Not one, not one giant step, two giant steps. He's taken two. He's taken two. Look, Sean, here's the thing. He's avoided, for the most part, the key mistakes. And while unspectacular, he has made the smart plays that need to be made to win yeah. football games. And I take you to the fourth quarter, and I, I talked about this on the postgame show, and I will refer to it now on our program. Gano hits two 50-plus-yard field goals in the fourth quarter to provide the Giants with the margin of victory. I need to go back and alert you to the fact that on third and seven from the 38, it is a five-yard Jones scramble that sets up Gano's 52-yarder that puts the Giants on top by three. So let's give Jones credit for that because Absolutely. it was a play that had to be made or maybe Gano doesn't hit or the 51-yarder, you know, early in the fourth quarter. So he gives Gano a better chance to hit that field goal strictly on his presence. Then later on, on the 56-yard field goal, he hits Shepard on a third and 23 on a five-yard pass to give him a 56-yard try instead of what would have been a 61, and they wouldn't have gone for the 61. I'm telling you that now. In fact, after the game, Dable said they thought the range for the day was 55. And Gano okay. said he thought he could do 56. The broadcast did out. speculate that they would kick the field goal, but you're you know, you're telling me they would not have. But either way, you're right. Jones had that understanding of how many yards he needed. Don't Bingo. go, you know, don't go trying to get the first down. 
Let's exactly. get three on the board. Correct. Huge play. People talk about, oh, Jones doesn't make the right decisions. He made the right decision on both of those yeah. third downs to give Gano the best chance he could to make the field goals. And then at the end of the game, how about the scramble? On third down when the Giants are trying to kill the clock, and Sean, I don't need to remind you how many times this offense has given the ball back to the other team and told the defense, you guys got to plug the hole in the dam over the last minute or two to try to hold on. Well, not this time. Daniel Jones takes off and scrambles for the third down conversion that ices the game. Anybody anybody who has any trepidation about what Jones has done in the first two weeks of this season has not been watching football. Yeah. And again, if you're expecting him to light it up like Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes, we understand that he's not that guy, but he's getting better, finally comfortable with a real coaching staff and a real regime. That was a winning play. As you said, that scramble, you know what I liked most again about that winning play. That was a situation where the Panthers had burned two timeouts. The whole box is stacked. They know Saquon's probably getting the ball. The idea that Jones has the option. I mean, let's face it. They called the bootleg. If there was an open receiver, they were going to allow him to throw the ball. You can't convince me otherwise. Yeah. But the idea was, if it's not open, then you're taking it and running with it. And that's our best shot at a first down. Rather they than trusted him, Sean. They, they trusted, trusted him. him. Yes, they trusted him. And he made a winning play, sealed the game. And yes, did the Giants score 31 points? No, they scored 19 points, but it was enough to win thanks to great defensive effort and smart football and taking what the defense could give you. Jones is only going to continue to learn this offense more. You would think get better, but as long as he's not turning the ball over and taking them out of games, that's exactly what this young Giants team needs right now. Exactly what they need. Now, here's another Jones defense, and it's going to tie into why I'm not as unhappy that Kadarius Tony only played 36% of the stabs, but it was still more. For the second straight week, the second straight week, you can read all the stat lines you want, 176 on the yardage and everything. Jones made what I thought was a winning big chunk play to get a first down. Last week was the play to Richie James. He dropped it. This week, it was to scramble, move away from the pocket, and hit Kadarius Tony wide open that would have took him into Panthers territory only David Sills got called for a pick, and the broadcast alluded to this too. By the letter of the law, did he run into the defender? Yes, but it was so obvious he's looking back at the ball. He's not looking at a defender for an intentional pick like you would see in the shallows. That is one I'm sorry. I think the officials got to eat. I think they were looking to just throw the flag because, oh, he collided with the defender. It's clearly past interference. That was Kadarius Tony getting open. He would have had more yardage. We would have been talking way differently about Kadarius Tony's usage today had that pass counted. And Daniel Jones would have had another 40 yards in the stat line, pushing him over 200. And oh, by the way, maybe that drive then leads to another touchdown for the Giants. And it's not coming down to that. That was a huge play in the game, Paul. A huge play. And frankly, one that will be forgotten about for the Jones haters and the people saying Tony's not playing enough. Incidental contact is the phrase that should have been used there. And you know, Sean, I understand the rule book and the letter of the law and a penalty is a penalty. But I've always, in my mind, said that National Football League officials, part of the reason that they're working at the highest level is because they are able to process, use rationale, have judgment. Why not conference? Why not have the ref who threw the flag conference and grab another one of the officials and say, look, look, I threw the flag. This is what I saw. Did you see a different angle on this? Did Did he pick him? Well, did they just run into each other like a couple of the three stooges? Right, which is all that happened. That is all that happened. 
uh, more positive for the offense. And I guess this is what drives you nuts about Daniel Jones too, right? Is this, that touchdown drive where he kind of rebounds after a shaky first two snaps and just starts throwing seeds. I mean, he's connecting to Tanner Hudson here, uh, Richie James there. He has a great job and the throws are lasers. Then he finds Daniel Bellinger and Bellinger does what a, a rookie, what a good tight end should do in a rookie to be able to stretch out, get the touchdowns. Unbelievable. Hudson having those couple catches, Bellinger being the guy. Last week it was Myronick. It is freaking refreshing to not be sitting there and having tight end drops like the likes of Evan Ingram have done. Drive you nuts and ruin drives. This is not a pretty group of tight ends the Giants have. It's not. Some may look at that on paper and call it the weakest tight end room in the NFL. But you know what? They have been workmanlike and all the Giants touchdowns through the air this year now have come via the tight end. And they are not dropping passes, which I think is huge for this team. Sean, if you go back over the last half a dozen years or so, this is a team that would have 30, 35, 45 drops over the course of the season. So far in each of the first two weeks, they've got one drop. One by James in week one, one by Tony in week two. Right. The receivers are making plays on the other end of the passes for the quarterback. They have much more reliable hands this year as a collective group. And, of course, when that happens, your quarterback will always look better. You talk about that touchdown drive. There were four explosive plays leading up to the Bellinger touchdown, which in itself was an explosive play when you're talking about more than 10 yards from from scrimmage on on a particular play. Uh, Jones was throwing darts. On that series, it was it was really something to behold. And and honestly, Sean, and and, and I, I don't say this lightly. I think a lot of this has to do with the confidence that Dable and Kafka have given Daniel Jones. They trust him. They believe in him. They basically said, look, kid, show us what you got. We know you're in your contract year. We know that this is this is your prove it year. Show us what you got. Go out there. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. Like when Parcells told that to Phil Sims many years ago. Just do what you do. We'll worry about the grading afterwards. Right. Don't play hesitant. Right. And again, I, there are going to be people listening to this that didn't like Daniel Jones's performance and think that we are just sitting here being Jones homers. I'm not acting like that. Again, he was spectacular. I get two or three for 460 yesterday. People will gloss him and kill him for that. Sean, he's not going to beat Dan Fouts. And it's right. Okay. Exactly. And that's okay. Right. He, he's playing winning football. Here's where Jones, I mean, a couple of other moments. It's not his fault. Sterling Shepard's still coming off the Achilles. He way overshoots Shepard. But again, that was a pass interference and he knew to throw it up. Yeah. Um, you know, there was just a couple of those moments throughout the game. Do they need to score more points than 19? Sure. But is the interior of the offensive line still getting destroyed? Yes, they are. But as long as he doesn't turn the ball over, that's huge. Now, on the wide receiver front, David Sills played the most percentage of snaps, which is unbelievable. Uh, he was a guy last week on the pod that I said, you know, I thought maybe he gets in the end, end zone because clearly they're loving him from a fantasy perspective. But Kenny Galladay, basically non-existent off the field. And Brian Dable said this. We didn't want to believe it. You've said this. I didn't want to believe it. They're going to change their wide receiver game plan game to game. It seems really confusing. It's very unconventional, and and Dable said it after the game. Look, this is the way it's going to be every game as we kind of feel out this room. But when you're two and zero and it's working that way, well, who are me and every fat ass giant fan to say you're doing it wrong? I mean, if that's the way it's going to be, that's the way it's going to be. Now, 
Kadarius Tony clearly played more. He played 39% of the snaps. I believe that was the snap count share. You mentioned the drop when he's looking upfield. I mentioned yep. the penalty. Tony could have had a much bigger day on paper with those two plays. Um, and I, and I, what a weird week we go from the He's limited in practice. What's going on? And then he ends up showing up. He plays. They clearly have plays for him. And he, by the way, right after the game ended, the TV cameras caught, he seemed to be the most excited about the win running over to give Daniel Jones a bear hug as he was doing it. So you can't tell me that Tony's got a bad attitude or anything. So, look, if Kenny Galladay's making $70 million and he stinks and Dable wants him on the bench and they're 2-0, more power to Dable to not do the traditional sports thing where you play a guy just based on his contract, which happens all the time. And if he's going to keep increasing Tony's load and, and depending on the matchups, fine, let's go. If that's what's winning games here, let's do it. I, I'm totally comfortable with what Dable and Kafka are doing right now. Well, they, they've made it clear that it's all about earning your snaps and what they believe the specific game plan is going to call for that week. We've been telling people as well for many, many weeks, don't draft any Giants targets in your fantasy leagues because there's not right. going to be a consistent guy there. That's just oh, and Paul, the Paul, play it. Not to interrupt you because we're having a graphic as we have the video up on the bottom of our screen. He played 28 snaps, 38%, right? So when yeah. you think about you know, getting up to that, you know, half the snap count, which is, you know, kind of where you'd want Tony with a team that runs a lot anyway. He also missed an entire drive in the third quarter as well back in the locker room, which if he's out for a couple of those plays, suddenly you're talking about 45 to 50% of the snap. Yeah. Possibly. Possibly. That's fair. That's fair. I, I think, if anything, what the Giants have shown, this coaching staff, is that they are to be believed. Everything they say is out there. It's it, They're putting it right out in front of everybody, and they're saying, look, this is what we're going to do. You may not understand it. You may not like it, but this is how we're going to run this team. And so far, everything that Wink Martindale and Mike Kafka and Brian Dable have said has come to fruition. They have stayed true to their word every step of the way, as puzzling as it may be for Kenny Galladay, to only get two snaps in yesterday's game. And I'll be honest with you, I'm a bit surprised too. I'm like, what game plan is it that says Kenny Galladay should only get two snaps? It seems rather odd. But if they have conviction and they're going to say it and then follow up and do it and then go and win, how can you complain? Well, and and Paul, before we get into you know, basically who our favorite un unsung hero was of yesterday's game. I am now officially at the point. I am ready to declare this as a Giants fan at 2-0. and Whatever happens in these coming weeks. Now, I could sour quick. I, I understand I'm very fickle. I go back and forth. They want to bench a guy for multiple snaps. They want to say a guy doesn't fit the right game plan. Maybe he's not buying it. And by the way, this includes the quarterback. And I, and I like Daniel Jones. I don't want that to happen. I don't see it happening. But if he gets off to a rough start and they want to bring in Taylor for the end of a game, I, I don't care if it's Graham Gano misses two kicks and you want to freaking trot a wide receiver after the kick. Because <laughs> at this point, at this point, Paul, whatever this coach wants to do with his personnel, I am all for That's how much I have bought into Brian Dable here after two games. It's And it's not just him. It's his staff, Sean. Don't leave the other guys out. Oh, of course. Kafka, of course. But he's, Kafka, you know, when I say that. Bales. Right. Yeah. Well, we yeah. And, 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 you know, on my Twitter earlier today, Giants at Giants WFAN, I put, you can't underestimate the value of this coaching staff. They've checked both boxes. When you look at every game and you have a bunch of boxes to check and you say, okay, passing game, running game, special teams, so forth and so on. The coaches box, both of these games, the Giants won the battle of the coaches. 
And, yeah. and that's a very significant factor as they move forward this season. I said this with a couple of buddies and closer to the Giant fans last night as they head into Dallas. And we're going to do plenty of that later on in the week with the game preview. You don't feel like, and it's crazy because it's only two games in, but there's a lot of, you know, plenty of experience on the staff, including Wink Martindale. You don't feel like you're entering any of these games now and feeling like, you know what, they're going to be really outcoached here. It's the coaching is what's putting them over the top. And I, Mike McCarthy, I'm with all due respect, he won a Super Bowl. I think Brian Dable's already a better head coach than Mike, Mike McCarthy, and I'm very confident that the Giants at least have an advantage from that point of view. Now, unsung heroes, I'll let you give yours in a second. Mine, it's going to sound weird because he missed a bunch of tackles, but I was so super impressed with what Dane Belton did. And Bingo! recovering, recovering that kick and not just looking to stumble over, pick it up and hope you could run it in, just falling on perfect. Um, and honestly, a lot of those plays on defense that he did make, he comes flying in as that deep safety, like a missile. And if he's that kind of guy who's a big thumper and also can play a little bit of center field and it allows that versatility in this defense for a guy that, that again, not a first rounder, not a second rounder, a guy, you know, on a day three draft pick to come in first NFL start missing all the training camp and really, show that his presence was out there, even with some mistakes. I thought Dane Belton, you know, this is one of those situations where I'm very excited to see more of him, Paul. I can't agree with you more. Sean, this time we're going to be totally in step because Dane Belton had very, very few reps during the course of training camp. It was during a practice early on when he fractured his collarbone and and, and they they didn't put him on injury reserve. They said, no, we think he's going to heal. He doesn't need surgery. The coaching staff and Joe Shane, let's let's also give credit to the medical folks too. We're going to gamble. We're going to not put him on injury reserve. We're going to hold on to him. We're going to see if he can heal, nurse him along. And as the preseason ended, all of a sudden, okay, he's looking like he may be able to get some snaps with a red jersey. No contact. But we look like he's bringing him along, bringing him along. And wouldn't you know it. So now he gets into a game, and he winds up playing the bulk of the game as the deep center fielder against a team that's got a quarterback with a rifle arm and a couple of dangerous receivers. Sean, do you know how many pass plays the Giants gave up of more than 20 yards yesterday? One. 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 Try to think we even had that play. That wasn't the more touchdown, was it? Uh, DJ Moore caught a 29-yard touchdown pass. That was the play. Okay. And now, to be That's fair, it. Shy Smith dropped a couple big passes. Darnay Holmes got bailed out on as well. But, again, part of the game is make less mistakes than the other team. No and doubt. That's what the Giants, and that's and, what the Giants and, and, have done. And Belton, Belton I, I have to say, besides the fumble on special teams, which was obviously very important for the Giants and should have been turned into more points, let's not forget that. Two yeah, field sure. goals off of two recoveries is not good enough. Yeah, no, okay? no, no that's doubt. Just, that's not good enough. No Against doubt. a better team and a better coach team, that probably comes back and bites the Giants. But having said that, um, Belton, Belton did not make your typical plethora of rookie mistakes back there. Right. He held the fort. He held the fort. And again, this is, this is it, right? Growing pains. And I can't stress enough as we close the podcast here. Just like in week one, this is the kind of game the last couple years that the Giants lose, and you're both frustrated that there were a couple plays here and there that they could have had, that now they're making the plays and the other teams aren't, or B, you walk away going, yeah, you know, they hung in there, that's a moral victory. These are counting as real victories now, and as the team continues to get better, as we expect them to do, right? They're a young team, young coaching staff, learn the system, everything, get healthier. 
you expect them to compete even more come October, come November, come December. But by stashing these wins early, Paul, you make the opportunity for those games to be that much more relevant later on when you are playing your best football. So I, for one, am very excited here after two weeks. Yeah, I, I absolutely understand that. And, you know, we've kind of gone almost this entire program without even mentioning the fact that Saquon Barkley yeah. had, what, a long of 14 and yeah. yet still carried the ball over 20 times for over 70 yards. And can we say now that he is capable of getting 30 yards? Yeah. Can we finally put that to rest? Paul I, Paul, I led the charge of saying that Saquon was terrible in the two-minute offense, four-minute offense. I am the face of the fan base doing that. Saquon deserves a major apology. That was... That was the kind of stuff that the Giants, when they won those random games with Devontae Booker and Wayne Goleman the last couple of years, that those guys did late in games. Saquon did that yesterday. And he had to be a presence that was accounted for, and he put the game away along with Daniel Jones. So there's no doubt about it. This is special stuff here to start, Paul. I, I'm all in. I'm all in. I can't <laughs> wait for Monday night. So for housekeeping, remember, you guys can listen and subscribe to this podcast. Anywhere podcasts are downloadable. Of course, it's free on the Odyssey app. Just so you know, with a Monday night game, uh, we are th- – probably going to be putting out the podcast a day later just to give you you know injury updates. We have a couple big pass rushers, including Leonard Williams, Aziz Ojolari, and Kayvon Thibodeau that you know we'd have a better idea of on Friday. And our recap episode, clearly we can't do that on Monday if the game hasn't been played, will be taped next Tuesday. Paul, I want to give your Twitter handle out for everybody. Giants WFAN. And uh, Sean, I got to tell you, uh, one thing for sure, the 2-0 start is fun, but 3-0 is a whole lot better. It is a whole lot better, and I want to beat those stinking Cowboys. I want the Giants to I beat know you Cowboys. do. Oh, I can't, I can't stand them, all my Cowboy friends. You can follow me at Mraz CBS, and let's all give the Cowboy fans those wedgies. Throw them in the lockers. Let's go. This is a big week. Let's beat Dallas. We'll come back with your game preview later in the week. Thanks for taking one giant step with us.